Live from the Talking Joe Studios. It's Talking Joe with Chief and Mark. Talking Joe Weekly Podcast. Talking Joe is there. Talking Joe thought we would last. Talking Joe is there. Find each other like a married couple. A podcast on the air. Talking Joe is there. Talking Joe is the code name for a completely untrained special podcast force. Its purpose, to produce a weekly comic review show and serve as an outlet for Chief's creative talents and unleash them upon the world. Talking Joe. Talking Joe is there. Chief is on his soapbox. Nobody seems to care. Fighting for fandom wherever there's trouble The podcast on the air Talking Joe is there Talking Joe Talking Joe Talking Joe is on the air And here are your hosts, Chief and Mark Hey, 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 Talking Joe, coming to you live, live for me and a funky bunch, not live for you, pre-recorded for you, but it's almost as good as being in Chief's loft. It's not, because it's very cold. <laughs> uh, that's right, Chief Dog here, as always, joined by my good buddy. It's me, it's Mark, bringing you sugar and tea and rum. Oh, all in one? Yeah, all in one go, you've got to bring them together, sugar, well, tea, rum, ding, problem, ding, ding. The problem with the Chief Dog is... Uh, because of his addictive personality, now you've made that suggestion, now I've only got to go and do it, haven't I? <laughs> Goddamn funky bunch. Um, uh, yeah, sugar it, tea uh, and yeah rum. try it out, let me know. I've, I'm, I've, I'm actually short of rum here, okay. otherwise I'd be on it. Um. Yeah, I'll send the missus out to get me my rum. Chance of that happening, slim to none, rule out slim. Um, yeah, how you been uh, this, this fine week? Yeah, it's been, uh, been good, been working away, well, working... Here, in fact, yeah. the opposite of a way, yes. um, working in the same place that I have been since March, which is my desk in my room. Yes. Um, what about you? Yeah, um, still trying to finalise house move shenanigans, mm. which is rapidly going down the pan. Yeah, yeah. And also, some of this happened. When things go wrong, you can't explain. A broken window, a bad chest pain, you've got a leak. You've lost a wheel, your watch is smashed, can this be real? A hole in your shoe, misplaced your purse, the explanation is the Roman Gypsy Curse! That's right, the RGC! You're stuck with the RGC! You can't hide from the RGC, the Roman Air, Roman Air, Roman Air Gypsy Curse! That's right, uh, Chief Dog previously mentioned that the house I'm in is currently under the spell of a Romany Gypsy curse and more happenings this week. So I think I mentioned that my vacuum cleaner had broken, but I had fixed it. Well, think again, Chief, because that was a temporary fix, it seems, because that has now finally given up the ghost and is uh, being packed off to wherever vacuum cleaners go to die. Uh, probably on the street corner, hopefully someone can pick it up. <laughs> and so I had to buy a replacement, did that. Uh, it will get its first workout tomorrow night. So we'll see if my purchase was good or bad. Okay, uh, what have you plumped for for, I, for the um, I Googled, vacuum cleaner? Bloody hell, these things are expensive, man. So mm. I, because I had a Dyson, it was a wedding present 
from the in-laws. So that was, what, six <laughs> years ago, seven years ago. What sort of message is that sending? And <laughs> keep, <laughs> keep your house tidy for my daughter. That's the message they were sending. Oh, that was a me- it was a present to you, not to, not to the no, daughter? No, to both of us, to both of us. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, so, and thereabouts, I thought, I'll get a Dyson. They're about 200 quid. I'm like, who pays mm. 200 quid for a vacuum cleaner? So, what happened to the old Henry Hoovers? Yeah, it's but, what the kids want now these days, Chief. It's it's the Dyson. It's all about the Dyson. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, I googled best vacuum cleaners under 100 quid because I am a cheapskate and I need that money for <laughs> things that do nothing for my household, like action figures and comic books. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I found a good one. It's a Duronics. I don't know if you ever heard of that make. I hadn't. Uh, I believe uh, so, yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe, yeah. So that arrived. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of Euronix. Yeah. Mm. Though anyway, that's arrived. I had a, you know, I plugged it in, turned it on, make sure it worked, but it's going to get its full workout on the weekly Sunday night Hoover. So we'll check that out. Then I was outside doing a workout. It was about 8 p.m. It was dark and it was raining and I couldn't see very well. And I tripped over and landed against the climbing frame, looked down, smashed my Apple Watch. Oh. Yep. Screen completely smashed. So new watch required and then i looked and i was like apple watches are about 300 quid i was like well, how have i got one in the first place i think i bought <laughs> it about six years ago it was like a series one so it mm. was but it was still fine it d- did everything i needed to do which all i used it for was telling the time and seeing whatsapp notifications so mm. um i thought i'm not going to get an apple watch because a i don't like that kind of squarey rectangle shape of a watch and B, because I didn't want to spend that much money. Yep, that's why they call you Cheapy Two Shoes. <laughs> cheapy Two Shoes. So I did get one. I got a I got a Huawei GT2. Arrived yesterday. Nice round face. Now I'm already regretting it because the other thing I did on my watch all the time was used it for contactless payment. Uh, uh. And this watch does not have that. So um, going back to what most people do is actually use the card in their wallet. But this was 100 quid. <laughs> this was 100 Imagine quid. Imagine that. So, yeah. Imagine that. Uh, so anyway, got that, and something else went wrong, but I have blanked it from my mind, and I'm just waiting for next week for more Romany Gypsy Curses. Mm, it's mm. the forgetfulness spell. Yes, yeah, that's it. But uh, <laughs> mm, there you go, there you go. I'm just going to go and run and close the door because James is shouting and it's coming through. Okay. Going to close that door. Need to put that sign up. Genius at work. Jingle master at work. No kids allowed. Unless they're doing talking toy segments. Mm, interesting. This door's a long way from the mic, isn't it? He's been a long time. Oh, listen to him walk. He's got a mansion. Okie dokie. Right, Were you back. talking to me or to yourself? Talking to the listeners. <laughs> to the listeners, to the listeners. We'll see if Funky Bunch cuts that out or leaves it in. Uh, the other thing that was happening this week was i got a little bit obsessed uh with the wellerman sea shanty yes now did you did you look at the links that i sent you chiefy negative you (laughs) sent me uh you sent all the talking joe crew an email saying Mm -hmm. that you'd gone down the rabbit hole with this thing and you were saying something to do with tiktok whatever and as soon as you mentioned tiktok i was 100 percent out (laughs) and I listened to your one, which I yeah. liked, but I did not follow um, the links because I have no interest in listening to any other version other than yours. Okay, yeah. Well, it makes a lot more sense against the uh, the context of the right. uh, the viral ph- phenomenon uh, that is the the Wellerman. Uh, okay, we'll everyone... do a very quick, not not so that I don't get too bored, but give me a quick uh, Reader's Digest version of what it's all about. 
So the, the Wellerman is an old sea shanty uh, yeah. from the 1800s. It originated in New Zealand. There was a guy on TikTok who's a uh, Scottish postman who is also a singer, yeah. and he uh, recorded a uh, video of him singing this uh, song, The Wellerman, and then it just went viral with people doing collaborations. So they were adding their own uh, harmonies and instruments, etc., on top of his original and uh, it became yeah something of a of a you know viral sensation and also a massive earworm a lot of people have right. been humming uh, wellerman to them themselves and it, yeah, it's been all over tv radio uh, internets etc this week and uh, yeah i had to get that earworm out of my head yes. and the way that i best thought to do it was to make my own version of it but i'm not going to be singing about uh, about the goings on of of sea of a, of a whaling crew I'm going to be talking about the Talking Joe crew. Oh, well, roll VT, not VT, roll audio. There once was a guy that joined the chief. His name was Ben, but he had to leave. Break and replace the first of many after the out of time. Plus, soon may the ghost come to bring us comics and chat and fun. One day when the talking's done, we'll take our leave and go. See, not yet cold, it's Chris McLeod, he's rather rude and rather loud. He loves that G.I. Joe hovercraft, he'll take that whale and go. Soon may the cobbles come to bring us comics and chat and fun. One day when the talking's done, we'll take our leave and go. Meanwhile, there's jobs across the water, there's been lamb for the slaughter. Show was fun, but the book was torture, then he quit the show. Ho! Soon may the bubbles come to bring us comics and chat and fun. One day when the talking sun will take our leave and go. No search was made, she first his mate. Mug was free, that was great. He sang a song, a new floodgate. He made too many jingles. Soon may the bubbles come to bring us comics and chat and fun. One day when the talking sun will take our leave and go. Yeah, there we go. He did it. He said he was going to do it, and he did it. Fantastic work, <laughs> Funky Bunch, as always. Uh, the Jingle VIP. Yeah. Um, Just because you can doesn't mean you should. But uh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. I, I had a session with Ben on Battlefront 2 last night, Star Wars Battlefront 2, and it. Uh, I think it marks our retirement. I think that is it. We have hung up the pads. Uh, apologies to, I think, Jay it was who had lent his uh, services if he wanted to join and, and game with us. And apologies to Jay that we never reached out to you, completely just forgot about it. But, yeah, we encountered one too many hackers last night. I think it was the final <laughs> straw. Hacker, when I say, a.k.a. a player who is better than you. When I say ha- when I say hackers, I mean these guys that are going like 59 kills, one death, because they're using a keyboard and mouse, which in my book is cheating. Um, so... Yeah, you know, hover that mouse over someone and you can never miss. You know, what? what's that all about? That's not... That's, that's, well, use a pad and play me and then we'll see. But using this keyboard and mouse on a PlayStation 4, I'm not down with that. So, jogon.com. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Receiving incoming transmission. Ah, incoming video call. It's Ben Flying Retro. Oh, is this live? What yeah. We're live on the air. Oh, man. What are you doing? I was phoning you up to say that I'm officially retired from Battlefront. Ah, well, I talked about that with Mark. Um, I'm officially retired 
at least for a quarter of a year. <laughs> okay, there you go. Official, he's taking three months off. Uh, too many hackers. Too many hackers reported. Um, I haven't got time to report them all. And I thought, you know, maybe every time I get the urge to play Battlefront, I could read instead. Yeah, and also let's remember that you never did report anyone anyway. <clears throat> no. You uh, reported them to I, me. I, you know, I rubber stamped all of those reports. <laughs> they did have to pass my desk and, you know... I endorsed every single one of those hackers, those goddamn hackers. Yeah, hate them hackers. Uh, yeah, hate them hackers. It was a bad session. So, as I've retired, that that actually means I've retired you as well. Yeah, because so I can't play solo. Install that. Yeah. No, so just uninstall it. Okay, and then in three months' time, you, although you wanted to live Twitch stream next week. Emma, what are you doing tonight? <laughs> are you, you yogurt? <laughs> Is she yogurt? Emma says she hasn't. Emma says she hasn't seen me for a few weeks <laughs> together. Um, why, what are you saying? You want to live stream our last ever Battlefront session? No, I was going to say we could Battlefront tonight. <laughs> so the three-month retirement has gone 24 hours. No, not even. Well, I, just, I just started thinking about it and got excited about yeah. playing it. <laughs> Talking about it gets me excited. I know. Emma's saying that she just heard me say I was quitting, but now I'm just so pumped to play it. <laughs> Okay. No, she says she says she's watching something. Okay. Oh, apparently I've got to watch it too. All right. What is it? Battlefront. Okay. All right. Well, I'm getting back to the show. Right. I guess now it's time to talk about some comics. Comic talk. Oh, comic talk. Barry Hammer writes them. Chief and Mark discuss them. Whoa. Comic talk. Oh, comic talk. Larry Hammer rides them, Chief and Mark discuss them, whoa! On the slate this week is part six and seven of Snake Hunt. And this is Hunt. issues 271, 272 of Real American Hero. Mm. Date marked as December 2019, January 2020. So we're rapidly catching up to current day of G.I. Joe, Real American Hero. And yeah, uh, let's have a look at the covers then, I guess. Favourite cover. So I've got the A covers again, Robert Atkins, Snake Eyes in a firefight. Like you mentioned though last week, uh, he was doing a lot of kind of generic-ish covers. Yeah, and this might have even been one that he specifically spoke to me about where they said, he said he was trying to do some uh, slightly more varied covers and they were like, no, no, just Snake Eyes on his own, have him maybe jumping out, shooting, something like that. It's, right. um, I mean... We can talk about both of the Atkins covers, maybe in the same go. But this yeah. is essentially it's it's a pretty much a full body of of Snake Eyes just sort of jumping out of some smoke and, and firing a uh, revolver. Um, it's you know it's nicely done, but it's it's just Snake Eyes on his own without an awful lot going on. So it's not necessarily um, the most memorable. Yeah, and the, the one on the two seven two is him instead of using a gun, he's got a couple of swords or knives. So. Yeah, just, or the just, knife, just knife and uh, sword handles, more specifically. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yeah, handles, not actual blades. I can't see the blades. Uh, uh, the, the B covers, I guess, are more Jamie Sullivan big pieces. You've sent me um, a link. I haven't actually opened it yet. As you know, as it turns out, send <laughs> chief stuff. He just doesn't look at it. Mm. Um, but that I believe contains the full blown image of this Jamie Sullivan piece con- connecting piece. Yeah, so we were talking about uh, the Jamie Sullivan pieces before. So uh, parts one to five of Snake Hunt had uh, the original 13 Joes 
in front of the cartoon base and then these last five parts have got a interconnecting cover of a, a much bigger gi joe cast so yes. um, we've got the first part of the first and second part of that over these two issues covering a big swathe of joe's Yep. I wondered whether whether if part part of the small print of uh, Snake Hunt, uh, of them trying to cram every single Living Joe ever into the comics, that the, the small print is also includes big covers where we put on <laughs> and every single Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good, very good. We got. You've some... probably just got the thumb thumbnail there in your. Uh, I have, yeah, cover. yeah. I yeah, will so look. I will look. Name the Joes. <laughs> no, <laughs> just no joking. Uh, retail incentive, Firefly, and looks like is that. IDW uh, is that um, Devil's Due version of of uh, Zartan's daughter? That is, it's Zanya. Zanya. She's not appeared in Ara, has she? Uh, well, she does in this issue, but pre- prior oh. to that, not. So I wonder if that was Larry writing her in, or whether that was Atkins putting her in. I know the answer to that. Shall we? We can get to it in a, okay. in a bit, yeah, shall sure. we? But yeah, sure. um, but yeah, yeah, I wonder whether whether the royal having her on the cover was just complete happenstance um you know coincidence or or whether he was sort of feeding off of the fact that she does appear in this issue um you know yes. Sna- firefly doesn't but um no. so so who knows yeah uh, the other john Royal cover on the next issue is i think this is my favorite of all of them this is low light with some bats rushing towards him uh, in the midst of some burning kind of buildings or trees or something. Yeah, it's a good one, isn't it? Probably, I probably agree. It's my, I think, my favourite yeah, too. Like it's, the composition um, there, you know, it's nice. yeah, interesting on these royal ones. Sometimes you kind of imagine what the uh, story might be that would have led to led to those events or, or, or whatever. So it's sort of like telling a little story almost in the in the cover. And actually, that's how covers often used to work would be that they'd go to a one of the most popular artists of of the day who would do just the cover in isolation and then they would give that to the writer and the artist to go look here's a story idea work that up into the the story so it'd be cover first uh, story right. and interior art second interesting interesting uh, then we've got some over-sexualized Baroness <laughs> drawn by John Giang and then uh, Kirill Repin for the next issue um, not my not my kind of thing those that style in a black leather jacket or something with like fishnet boob tube thing but and she yeah. you know she doesn't really look like the baroness much at all it's sort of like a poodle rock you know rocker yeah. there um who you know is holding a gun and let's call her baroness it's uh, overly painted i think as well yeah the second the, the other one with her in that kind of arctic costume is a bit more uh interesting but yeah not necessarily one that i'm particularly fussed about yeah yeah Okay, well, let's dig into the meat inside this cover sandwich. Uh, Give us a breakdown. Everyone's on their way to Springfield. The full G.I. Joe team in various buses, the Fort Wadsworth team in the bongo van, the Arishikagis on the train, Zartan the Dreadnoughts, Destra and the Baroness, and even Revanche are getting ready and heading down to Springfield. On the outskirts of Springfield, Stalker's team joins up with Destro and the Dreadnoughts. In Utah, Joe Colton arrives with a replacement satellite which is loaded aboard the Defiant and launched into space. Laura 343 is still guarding Throwdown. As Sean continues to escape, Laura keeps threatening to shoot him until she is knocked out by his finger weaves. Sean escapes from his cell and holds Cobra Commander and Dr. Mindbender at gunpoint. <laughs> I was temp- I was tempted to just have a, b- a plot summary which went everyone's going to Springfield that's it. <laughs> yeah. This is kind of, you know, this is we've had the snake eyes getting captured. We've had 
uh, Joe's attempting to plan a rescue. And now this is, like you said, this is getting to the destination. Yep. And and it felt like there's just a lot of treading water, almost unnecessary treading water as, yes. as well, where, where pages are being picked up by, you know, seeming trivialities. Like um, like the story, these this this issue opens with a policeman stopping and then letting off the Joes, which um, you know doesn't seem to add an awful lot. And then we have just the ninjas are on the train and having a little chat and playing yeah. their games. And there's this uh, rocker guy who stops and talks to to Dawn about her guitar in inverted commas in in her case. You know that kind of thing. No, it's. It's an attempt. I think all of them are in a, a, a bad attempt at some lighter, humorous moments, but mm. none of them really, like you say, do anything or work. It's becoming more evident that this wasn't a ten-part storyline, or it, you know, should have been done in sit five or six, but or know, a lot yeah. longer, yeah. <laughs> potentially, or because we're we're up to you know part seven yeah. um, in these two issues, and it doesn't feel like you know there's there's we're still on a lot of build, it yes, feels like. Yes. Well, um, we do know one thing. We do know that Snake Eyes probably has the best bench press in the pit because his chest muscles are extreme. He can snap that binding, whatever it is, that um, strap that's over his, his, his chest, his body. He can just tense up and snap that. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. is where Laura's like starts her sobbing please stop please stop I don't, i'll shoot i'll shoot i'll shoot but she just can't do it she just can't do it yeah and i think i mentioned that uh, last week that they decided not to take him out of his uniform or take away his lock picks mm, or take <laughs> indeed take away his, his lock picks yeah and yeah that that particular scene with laura sort of you know wavering and, and as snake eyes is attempting escaping and, and not being able to do anything there was um, a note in the in the script that that I've seen that actually helped explain the motivation there, which I hadn't really figured about. Okay. Um. So Larry described one bit uh, in with these words: Laura is aiming at his head, but the barrel is shaking. She is in deep shit if he gets out, but she is in even deeper shit if she shoots him. So I I I kind of read that scene as just being her, you know, being a little bit weak or not you know not not bad enough or, or not uh not really being of the the cobra stuff to, to you yes. know cold-bloodedly actually follow up with her threats that if he keeps yeah. on escaping she'll follow through and actually shoot him yeah. whereas i think that note there in from larry in the script suggests that actually some of that is is fear that you know she's there to to guard sean um and stop him from escaping but also the the plan is that they are going to brainwash him and make him into the ultimate cobra warrior and the biggest you know this has been this massive grand scheme of cobra to to capture him and brainwash him so actually if she does shoot him or and kills him or or damages him she'll be in massive trouble from uh, the old cc uh, himself too so so some of that is like you know she's just painted in this corner where she can't actually do anything and and sort of have a uh, a, a solution that that works without her being an ultimate doo-doo Yes, yeah, she, like Larry said, it will be in the shit. Now, ah, I've turned the page, and this is where you're right. I see, uh, what's this, what's this girl's name? Z- Zaina, Zana? Yeah, so two. we are now uh, in Zartan's moving uh, van, yeah. the uh, Trazan 
Bros moving van there. So uh, it's not just uh, Cobra Commander that's no. at it with his broker bros, um, Zartan. Zartan is the in on that crowd too with his yes. Trazan bros. Um, so, yeah, we've got uh, a big a group shot of the Dreadnoughts uh, with, yeah, two new Dreadnoughts there that have I don't think have been in the ARA uh, universe before themselves we've got Zanya who was introduced yeah as Zartan's daughter in the Devil's Jew however um, I'm cutting you off there we don't know that her name's Zanya in ARA you're yep she's not been named no. on on panel with anything other than her being um yeah a a you know generic dreadnought well she's um, got a cobra she's got a cobra on her chest so we don't even know if she's a dreadnought do we um, we assume she is, but yeah, it looks a bit like a Cobra signal, doesn't it? But I think it's meant to be actually a a Zartan hood, okay, right shape. But yeah, it's the same. You know, it's the same um, character design as yeah. uh, as uh, Zanya. Yeah, um, and this other dude. And actually, um, having seen the script as as well, uh, I know that on panel she she is actually listed in the script as uh, Zanya. Oh, okay, right, fine, uh, which fine. is interesting. And uh, the other guy is Burnout, which again was yet yeah, a much later release. Dreadnought. In what well, he was in the Devil's Due run. I or, believe or he a, did. I, did he I believe toy? he originated as a figure, but right, okay. was it was included in De- Devil's Due at some stage, got it, I believe. Got it. And then we get more. Larry just cannot do comedy, can he? We get this scene at the end of this page, which uh, what's his name, Xandar says. You don't see that Zartes manoeuvring for the end game, and the other four go, What? Yeah, that's it, tumbleweed. That is what's happening right there. Because <laughs> that is just rubbish. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if, was it, if it was meant to be particularly comedic or just them. Clearly, Xander is, is hoping, well, is, is, is believing that there's some grand scheme behind. Um, Zartan's motivation. And what's more unbelievable is these other idiots don't think that because Zartan's always got a grand scheme. So why would they assume that there was no grand scheme? They're the biggest idiots for not knowing. (laughs) I don't know. Zartan sort of behaves in a somewhat chaotic, unpredictable way, often against his own, you know, his own apparent self-interest. So it's hard to to say. What do you think is his end game? That he wants to destabilize Cobra and cut out a slice for himself? Is that? Yeah. Is that what they're hinting at? Do you think? Possibly, possibly. Um, mm. But I do, I do now. I, I'm picking up on something you said, which is they're all just on buses moving. And <laughs> I think, I think Utah to Springfield, which we're assuming it's a, it's like in it's East Coast, isn't it? Springfield. Yeah. Vermont well, they're implying it's quite near um, near New York, isn't it? Um, yeah. But all these ones from Utah, New Jersey. All New these New ones, the the, the 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 all these buses which are coming from Utah. Mm. Um, that's 2,300 miles, and it's a 35-hour drive. Oof. Crikey. So from Utah to Springfield. Why aren't they in planes? Why are they in buses? They're going to be all sorts of skanky, aren't they, at the end of that, yeah. that drive? Yeah. Cut the buses. Mm. Yeah. And then some of the tanks are just going to drive there, just, what, down the highway? Just tanks. Yeah. <laughs> and they're probably <laughs> well, not, thir- they're not, they're not as fast as buses, so they're going to be more than 35 hours. Well, the tanks are all loaded on the back of... Uh, trucks of some sort, aren't they? So uh, they're yes, not actually yeah, the in, uh, truck, in the vehicles yeah. themselves. That's right. But yeah, um, yeah, that's a long li- ride. They're going to be tired and stinky and yep. hungry yep. and you know needing some f- facilities. Well, luckily, Roadblocks got uh, fried egg sandwiches on the bus. I He's think. got a sack of fried egg sandwiches. Yeah. Um, sack. <laughs> I like that. I like that as a denominator, as a uh, a unit of measurement for carrying food. Sack. 
mm. sack of potatoes, sack of fried egg sandwiches. I mean, it, it sounds appetising if your food is served out from a sack. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and they've only left three Joes behind at the pit, haven't they? Those three, those three unlucky schlobs. Maybe they're the yeah. lucky ones, actually. And and actually, they've left they've left three behind. And uh, we talked about the fact that, that you know the, the Joes are going to be you know massively undermanned at, at the at the pit, and and you know who who's the who's who's going to be the HR wonk that's going to get it in the neck for for that. And actually, Duke uh, specifically referred to to that. He said, "There's going to be a stink about Garrison manpower minimum levels." Yeah, yeah. And these minimum levels are going to get lower because they left three people behind, and then lo and behold. Let's start on the errors early. Here, here we go. Error detected. Error detected. No prize incoming. Yeah, lo and behold, two of those people end up on the uh, aircraft to parachute out over the top of uh, Springfield. We oh, have do they? Musk rat yes. and uh, torpedo in the uh, in the plane to, uh, uh, later on. Uh, to parachute over Springfield, which which would mean that it's just long range that is uh, left behind on his Todd, yeah. on his Todd, yeah, lucky <laughs> pal. While these while these Joes are wolfing down a sack full of fried egg sandwiches, <laughs> Destro gets his iron grenadiers a free bar. He's like, go in here, get pissed up right before the big mm. battle. Uh, you know, get your get your sugar, tea, and rum ons. And um, yeah, but he does say, but he said, help yourselves. It's an open bar, but don't overindulge. We yeah. set out for Springfield as soon as darkness falls, and it looks pretty dark already in that panel. It looks yeah. like sunset, so they've got maybe an hour of, of getting going to the bar hard, probably doubles and uh, treble shots. And and these the Iron Grenadiers are Scottish, right? Mm. Um, saying open bar um, to to a bunch of Scots soldiers yes. is just gonna ask. For massive amounts of trouble. I mean, you don't want your you don't want your troops loaded up immediately before battle, do you? It's, it's, it seems like a little bit of a <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> miscalculation. Mm. It's it's he's not the best strategic move there by Destro. I don't think. No, um, my 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 no prize for this one is that it's a dreadnought bar, and um, they're just serving uh, grape soda okay. on tap, or it's watered down piss beer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they got they they outsourced the uh, the alcohol to uh, to Zanzibar. He yes. would, uh, yeah, he's filtering it off. Fil- um, filtered it all off. Yeah, yeah. Quick yeah. question: Previously, we've seen brainwave scanner. We get they capture a guy, we strap him in it, and then you know within one quick session he's out. But here, uh, Cobra Commander's asking Mindbender how long it's going to take, and Mindbender says, "Oh, hours and hours, maybe even days." Mm. So they're 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 gonna go absolute full throttle and and just smash snake eyes brain to, to yeah. bits and transform him into cobra oh no they're not because he's gonna escape <laughs> they right. were planning to go hard on his noggin yes that's right uh, and this is one of the uh, biggest bugbears i have about this storyline is that the whole premise and setup was let's capture him brainwash him set him against the joes but as it turns out he doesn't even get brainwashed no, and um, you probably haven't read this because you don't read anything that I send you. But yes. in the original editorial proposal for for the book, yep. um, it kind of outlined the expectations of what is going to happen across uh, this this arc. And a key part of the story was expected to be that that um, Snake Eyes will be brainwashed, ah. and he will be you know Cobra Commander's dark ninja, right? Um, and you know have have that as a key plot point. Yes. 
and and potentially you know lead to um to sort of the sean snake eyes personal personality being taken off the map and us just being left with a, a single snake eyes being okay this was what larry's dawn. proposal well this this was um tom waltz's um sell of the arc to uh robert atkins okay and uh and so that would have been based on kind of his his discussions with uh, Larry about you know where they think it might be, right. uh, but you know as as we know Larry sort of writes from page to page, and uh, and yeah the warning was you know this is the way that we see it you know might yes. be going but uh, as as Larry figures things out as he goes and yeah. uh, you know we may end up with a completely different story and that is yeah that's why uh, people what like Larry Harmer shouldn't be writing books anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to listen to your editors and, you know, they sometimes know what's better for the public than you do as the writer. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it took a bit of a left turn from, from where I thought it would be going. And it, I guess it ultimately left all of the, you know, pieces in, in pretty much exactly the same place as they, they started out. Yeah. Um, well, we've not got to, we've not got to part no. 10 yet, but no. um, okay. yes. getting, yes. getting ahead of ourselves here. Mm. Yes. Mm, sorry. But he is doing some kind of a Russia cargo thing, like you mentioned in the beginning, some... Uh, Russia Kage hand symbol yeah. on uh, Laura and did your research go as far as looking at what he's doing with his fingers then going back to old issues to see if that was mentioned what the name of that one is called in a previous one uh, it didn't go as far as doing doing that but um, this was some proper ninja bullshit okay ninja bullshit it's all the time P.I. Joe and ninja bullshit and this is fingernet ninja bullshit, um, where he is putting these uh, fingers in certain positions, and, and that's meant to induce a kind of Arishikage mindset and not knock out uh, Laura. Although the very last part of that finger fingernet, oh, the bit where he pulls his fingers if he's done a fart. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The very last sequence of his fingernet is his pulling his finger like he's done a fart. Yeah. And, and red flame comes out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's kind of yeah, uh, ninja aura red glow around his um, his yes. pull my finger sequence. Yes. Um, just quickly, the art is the art's really nice here. Atkins done a good job, I think, on this issue. Um, this is this one's on Diaz. Oh, this is Diaz. Uh, this is Diaz on two seven two. Diaz on this one, yeah. So sorry, I meant uh, so effectively both. No, no, effectively both of them. So on two. That's what, that's what I said. Both, yeah. No, I think two seven one is probably Atkins best issue that he's because he's working with so many characters i'm just looking at these where they're loading at the buses mm-hmm. in the pit i mean he's got a lot of characters to work with there and yeah um, i mean he does a very good job at being able to fit an awful lot of characters on a on a page or a panel yeah um i don't know how many artists would be able to pull that off as well as uh he, he's he's done yes yes and then also also uh, diaz like i said previously his art is getting better issue on issue as well yeah i agree i think i think 272 could be could be the best art that we've seen from from Diaz certainly on some of the panels like like the particularly the snake eyes panels there's you know as he's he's sort of huddling down over you know over over top of Laurel jumping over that that tank and, and firing yeah. those are some you know really dynamic uh, action yes. poses he's uh, he's yeah yeah. Um, yeah. Impressed so, by his his art, and just to add as well that um, the finger knit uh, thing is an actual uh, ninja type uh, thing from from real life, and um, 
is is used in uh, certain yeah martial arts uh, training and, and so on and uh, and yeah larry had actually supplied uh, robert with a, a youtube video to to some finger knit sequences um, which I'm, I'm guessing um, Robert looked at that and, and chose some particular finger positioning um, to then uh, 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 interpret into uh, into the script. So yeah, it was uh, interesting to, to see that that is a, a something that was sort of, you know, based in, uh, in in real uh, in real life rather yeah. rather than just it being entirely something out of uh, Larry's uh, imagination. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other or another thing I wanted to point or pick up on is. We saw that older Joes are on their way there, but they're mm. clearly not going to have enough manpower. So we did see their laser, super laser cannon in the in space get blown up, but now they've just sent up another one to replace it. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Fine. So they <laughs> so we're back we, to where we were. So Larry took off the DX Machina uh, from the board, and then a couple of issues later, he's just replaced it with another one. Yeah, or okay, the same fine, one. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, Although it needs to be calibrated. Yes, and I think uh, Joe gave Jane. She said she needed a week, and he said you've got one day. So <laughs> she is way off with her estimates, is what I'm saying. She's been slacking. So she's like, she wants seven days pay. If she can actually do it in a day, you know, mm. going forward, she needs to think about what she's saying. And um, this was going to be my favourite li- line of dialogue, actually. That um, we had that whole thing where she's been given. You know, she wanted a week. She's been given a day. Somehow, miraculously, she they accomplish it in a day. They they sort of rebuild rebuild the laser components. They or dig it dig it out of storage. They they load it up into Defiant. They shoot the spaceship into into space. They yep. they re um you know reattach it and they get it all working. And they just need to to calibrate it um all in a day. And uh, yet, yeah, Joe Colton says to says to Jane, "We need to speed this up." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, come on. He's a I hard said, taskmaster. I said a day, but I actually meant half a day. I meant 12 hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a working day. It's eight yeah. hours. Yes, uh-huh. exactly. exactly. <laughs> uh, listen, we saw in the previous issue that Bongo van get pulled mm. out by the cop. And in the back, when the cop opened up the back, there was rock and roll and stalker or whatever, literally with guns pointed at the cop. The cop mm. was happy just to turn around and walk away. Didn't um, necessarily know they were army. They could have just been terrorists or whatever. Uh, but he was happy. Well, you know, take take them at their their words yes. that, uh, that you know they're, they're army, see, um, and if they were bad guys, they'd have killed him already. So you know, fine, just yeah. just get on with it. Have a nice day. Next, we see them at a gas station, <laughs> and they've gone <laughs> into the gas station with all their guns, like they have as indeed, if you want to yeah. terrorize people or act more like terrorists. Mm. So, and then they see the dreadnoughts, and rather than like freak out or pop a firefight or you know jump into cover, they just casually. Heads up, Zartan and his crew. <laughs> like, all right, all right, mates, how you doing? All right, yeah. Just, I just don't know what's. It's just, it's just horrendous storytelling. Yeah, I mean the the police, the policeman at the beginning of it, he was potentially on uh, one of the guys from Capital Security. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, the the guys that when they go up to the garage station, it's a it's a weird sequence. Um, you know, they they ask them, they say put your hands down we're not going to rob you or force you to do anything you wouldn't want to do of your own volition that said we would greatly appreciate it if you would leave your cell phones on the counter and lock yourselves in the storeroom you would do that willingly wouldn't you absolutely no problem and and i don't know whether that dialogue is meant to sort of be pointing to um the fact that that they're not using force they're they're not threatening them they're not robbing the store 
because they've they've said that they've said that they're doing it with their own volition but but um you know would that stand up in court i don't mm. think so no they even offered to tie each other up the the thing that makes the, the thing that makes that sequence a little bit more understandable is hidden all the way in the in the background which is that um on the top left corner you'll see the where it says outside of springfield and there's that dialogue uh, from uh, Stalker, fill the tank, Clutch, Rocky and I will talk to the clerks. Can you see just below that dialogue box uh, what yeah. it says? Uh, what, the Arbco, so it's, the co- it's a Cobra gas station you're saying? Yeah, Arbco sign, so actually yeah. it's a Cobra convenience store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so the, uh, the reason that I guess they're being so harsh with these employees is because they are uh, Arbco employees rather than a yes. legitimate gas station. So they, they want them out of the way. Yeah. And are you happy with the the, Zart- the Dreadnoughts kind of just, you know, rocking up and everything's like all hunky-dory and happy? Mm, Without any it, is a bit, it is a bit weird. I mean, the last time I guess the Joes encountered um, Zartan... They, um, he was busy helping the ninjas and crew escape from Springfield Community Centre, and presumably the Joes have a kind of after-mission briefing so that everyone's up to date with the latest intel on all of the threats and, you know, loyalties, etc. Um, yeah. So, so maybe they were aware that Zartan uh, was was against Cobra at the moment, and potentially maybe even uh, Zartan had been in contact with uh, Hawk or someone to appraise him of his plans, yeah. and, and therefore they, they were expecting to, uh, to see him, or even they had intended to meet him at this particular gas station, which is why they uh, didn't act surprised. Yeah. There's, yeah. A little, there's a lot of kind of intuiting things there. Yeah, um, yeah. But well, yeah, you can you kind of you can kind of come up with a logic as you to why something. where that works. Yeah, yeah. We see we see some more law enforcement in action here because when all the the ninja crew get off the train, mm. now all they're doing is carrying musical instrument cases. The John Q. Law pops up in their face <laughs> and says, "You folks, show me some ID." It's like, what? Wait a minute. It's not. They're not doing anything illegal, or they haven't. They just got off a train. This guy's popped up saying, "Show me ID." Yeah, but where have they got off a train? What 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 is the train station, Chief? Uh, where are they? Springfield. Mm. Oh, so you're saying it's a Cobra cop, and he's spotted. He's done some facial recognition, and he spotted them as being GI Joe members. Mm, potentially, or just uh, at the very least, looking out of place. Yeah, yeah. But this does lead to my favourite line of dialogue. Favourite line, line of dialogue. dialogue. Where Storm Shadow says, "Rashikage death touch." On stun. <laughs> Set weapons for stun. Uh, yes, yes. Well, there's a, there's there you go, Larry. You did one bit of humour. You did it. <laughs> um, oh dear. And then on that same page, they say, um, "Springfield General Hospital, please." Is that cop drunk? Bad donut. <laughs> yeah. Which uh, yeah is uh, I think uh, sort of a bit a bit of a callback to to Indiana Jones. Oh, no ticket. Bad, yeah, wrong ticket or no yeah no ticket. And he's throwing oh. him out the the blimp. Exactly. The zeppelin. Yeah. Or bad date even. Or bad date. Yeah, yeah. That's mm. yeah, probably bad date actually. That's uh, Raiders, isn't it? Yeah. He sees the monkey dead. Um, what else did I notice? What one of the things I I thought was why <laughs> why are all of these Joes going on a bus? Rather than an APC, yeah, plain APC, um, tr- yeah, troop carrier of any description, anything like that is better than a bus. 
Um, what else did we have? Dest- yeah, Destro's eyes uh, are being coloured red at the moment. Yeah, I noticed is, that, yeah. Don't know quite why that is, but um, there we go. They are. <laughs> they are. Move on. Oh, we had Duke in... Um, in in the lead vehicle which um i think was everybody's vehicle, favorite vehicle uh when they were cut, you know buying joes back in the day it was the uh, command suburban yes um uh, with uh, rock <laughs> with roadblock uh, in the back with his sack of sandwiches and he says all of our leave papers are in order so our legal butts are sort of covered but hold on You've given in your leave, so you're on leave while you're doing this this mission. So that might mean that that if you do get into trouble, it means that you you weren't you know on the clock as doing things on in a official capacity. But would you, you you've sto- you know you've stolen or requisitioned tanks and weaponry out of the GI Joe armory, and you're you know traveling across the country to have an attack against uh you know a military attack and firefight on u.s soil correct um but that's okay because you're on holiday seems like it okay all right just just checking that that logic (laughs) all made sense what are these october guard clowns doing at the end here rocked up we don't know what their mo is yet do we not exactly they've sort of said that they want to um, they want to help out because Snake Eyes was uh, an honourable foe. Right. Um, so that's why they got there. So, uh, But we don't know all... why. They've got revanche tech inside them. We don't know mm. who created them or what the creator's purpose was yet, do we? Yeah, we don't, still don't know an awful lot. There's, there's one more little clue there from a horror show. Stormovic says to him, You know, horror show, you used to smell like boiled cabbage, but nowadays you smell like motor oil. And Horror Show replies, Just your imagination, Stormovic. I have a closed system lubrication. Um, so so we know a little more about his inner workings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got not got bad guts anymore. <laughs> no, no, he's just <laughs> Well done. Well done. Oh dear. Um what did what did we think about all of these groups of, of Joes on the various different sets of uh, sets of transport? Um I mean, I think this is this is it for the squads now in terms of pretty much what we've seen in those buses and yes. I've not I've not done a final tally. I've kind of feel like it's it's almost a futile exercise at this point, but um there's uh it, it looks like the G.I. Joe ranks are limited to these guys on the buses and various bits of transport essentially. Yeah. So if if you're not one of those Joes on the uh, on, on there then then you're not in this story essentially. Feels to me like that is quite a lot of Joes that that we've not seen. Um, I might do yeah do some sort of tally to to see some of the the main ones that that haven't cropped up, but it it feels intuitively like it's probably quite a lot. Yes, yeah, yeah, agree, mm. agree. Um, you know, this is is what we've we got. We've got three parts of this storyline left. We've got a lot of Joes who are all going to the same location. Uh, it seems unrequired because the one joe they're going to rescue has actually kind of escaped rescued anyway himself. <laughs> rescued himself so what all these other joes are going to do i'm not sure but uh they're they're getting there very late they're getting there for the last three parts of the storyline mm. so we'll see yeah. what happens when we cover those three next week but yeah. uh, there's As probably planes, some more trains and automobiles continues yeah yeah mm. um there's probably some more stuff that you spotted larry was up to in these issues yeah for sure 
I spy with my little eye. So I have spied with my little eye that Dawn is reading the book of Five Rings. So that was a martial arts text written by the Japanese swordsman Miyamoto Mushashi around 1645. And it was uh, written not just for martial artists, but for all leaders in all professions. The book analyzes the processes of struggle and mastery over conflict that underlies human interaction. And it became very uh, well known among American business people, studied for its insights into the Japanese approach to business strategy. Mm, very good. So now you know about that. Um, did you notice uh, we've got quite a lot of use of the uh, the 1986 OG, that's original gangster, not October Guard, um, Vipers. And um, did you spot the, the, you know, for helping with their looking about, trying to find uh, Snake Eyes, Sean, Throwdown, uh, they actually use the goggles that are normally just stuck on their foreheads. Ah, well, not, not really, no, but now that you've pointed out, I probably will spot that first time, yeah. Um, it's yeah to, towards the back of two seven two. We've there's a, a sequence. I think it happens in a couple of places, but but there's definitely a sequence there where um, Snake Throwdown is. Oh yeah, I've got hunt. it. Yeah, yeah, I've got it. Yeah, so I wonder if that gives them some uh, enhanced vision of some description. You'd hope um, so. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, you're slipped down by accident, maybe. Yeah. We've got a few first appearances here. Um, I think backstop. Um, I don't know if it's his very first appearance, but I can't remember him being used an awful lot in the original ARA. And um, he actually appears in in place of um, heavy metal as the um, driver of the MBT Mauler. Yes, yep. So, so he was originally. That's one of the the tanks that is on the back of those trucks going to to Springfield. And uh, yeah, heavy metal had previously been introduced. You know. And and would would have been the driver, but obviously in the uh, once they realised that he was dead, they had to switch him out with a different driver. So so they they're using uh, backstop instead. So did they when they you say you know when they realised he was dead, were they just Joe's calling out, "Hey, heavy metal, come on, get in this bloody tank!" Fuge, and then one of them had to pop up and say, "Oh yeah, mate, he's dead." Oh shit. Okay. All right, backstop, you're up. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Where did heavy where did heavy metal go? He told me he was popping down to get donuts. Yeah, came some back. of that bad donut. Um, and uh, we've got a couple of uh, Joes who I think have their first um, larger appearance. We've got Bullhorn and Freefall, uh, who were dots in the Snake Eyes funeral. But uh, so so this is a first better look of them. And uh, yeah, Bullhorn certainly gets um, a bit of dialogue as as he uses his bullhorn to shout at the Joes in the uh, in the uh, bus. And uh, you can see them, yeah, sort of all sort of squirming and putting their fingers in their their ears at being shouted um, shouted at. Uh, sort of, yeah, a bit OTT. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure yeah. they could uh, hear him from the back without the need for for the bullhorn. And you've actually got um, Law and Order there, and uh, Order the dog is uh, putting his paws over his ears because uh, it's so loud. And uh, I also noticed another little uh, sort of call out which was in the back of 272 when uh, they jump out of the uh, out of the plane we've got quite a big shot there of uh, ripcord falling and uh, it's a very similar kind of um, feel to it as uh, ripcord on the front cover to 262 which was also a, a Nitho Diaz cover right um, which originally itself of course was a, a, a homage to the ripcord uh, file cards uh, art so uh, yeah, 
yeah, pretty it's good. It's quite a nice, nice little page of them all, uh, all jumping uh, there. But I did notice a uh, a, a Joe that that uh, popped up there. who shouldn't have been there. Who's that? What's that? You don't know what you're doing, but I saw a mistake. Something wrong with the drawing, and I spot an old Joe. I thought that he had died. Hmm. Bit shifty. Explain this, give it a no price. So, did you spot who was there this time that shouldn't have been? No, because I can't remember. I can't remember who's pushing up daisies. <laughs> it was Crazy Legs. Ah, uh, okay. Well, I could have guessed him actually. Yeah. So he is on. Uh, he's on. I think the first bus, or certainly one of the the buses in uh, this story, and. Um, yeah, it wasn't picked up for for one of the appearances, and yeah, he's one of the original crew who uh, who died in that uh, Trucial Abysmia story story where they were gunned down by the Saw Viper along with Heavy Metal, who also appeared a couple of issues ago, and also with Crankcase, who who died in that same sequence, and also Thunder, who we've not seen, but um, when it was pointed out that he was someone's favourite character in the letter pages and should return, no one thought to say, if he was your favourite character, you'd probably realise that he was dead and can't return. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's a few There's a few that haven't come, come back, like Doc and Quick Kick and uh, a couple of others, but, uh, uh, yeah, that... that um, group of deaths doesn't seem to have uh, resonated too strongly in uh, in Larry's uh, memory unfortunately so there we go crazy legs and actually crazy legs uh, on the bus sort of leads to a bit of a another blooper which was that airborne um, was then inserted in the next issue to to cover up for the fact that it was originally drawn as crazy legs uh, but unfortunately um, that meant that airborne switched buses <laughs> halfway through, through the uh, story yeah. and uh, yeah the, the whole bus sequence there's a there's a few little bloopers there there around it that um there's as a, in, the, in the first time we see the uh, the queue for the bus in uh, the, the first of the issues there's a few people yeah there's some people queuing up to to get in and um the the names being called out sort of tie um, tie into who's getting on the bus but there's a little bit of miscoloring going on there that we've got ripcord who is colored to look like airtight and then in the bus is airtight uh, but he's colored to look like tripwire uh, because tripwire is actually further along in the in the queue stood next to uh, airborne uh, but you know never never mind uh, i think over, over the page we've got um cross country calling a long range uh, wild card yep. uh, yeah because yeah wild long range is saying i've got my mean dog all loaded up um and then he yeah cross country call, calls him wild card um whereas it looks like wild card is stood to the right of cross country without any dialogue oh well um, you know, could you could argue what way is being uh, that uh, <laughs> the that just the uh, the dialogue boxes uh, should have been pointing at other people, but uh, never mind. Uh, we've got Blowtorch on the, again on that uh, first bus, and he changes into Charbroil um, when we next see that that bus. And uh, and then yeah, the, a bunch of people on the buses seem to sort of appear the first time round. Uh, and then not seen again on the same bus 
and then second time we see the bus there's a whole bunch of extra new people so the first time on bus number two we've got airborne ripcord and airtight uh who we don't see when we look at the bus again we instead we've got a few extra people recoil lightfoot snowjob blizzard hit and run stretcher hardball and short fuse um and we also see uh jay on one of the buses uh along with uh um ripcord and later on uh we see them on the plane but uh fortunately uh, larry was able to exp- explain that one himself to some degree because uh, jay says in a piece of dialogue yeah i'm going to be deaf by the time i get to the airfield so i think they picked that one up and and tried to play it explain it with some dialogue that uh, along the way to uh, to springfield they stopped at an airfield and had some people get off the bus and onto a plane yeah um and then finally we did talk about zanya being on the cover of part of the dreadnought gang and it being potentially her first appearance uh, but the irony of that is that on the, on that first appearance in the letter page larry says characters that other writers created for their universe do not exist in mine uh which is unfortunate as zanya uh, was created by josh blaylock uh, for the devil's due continuity and actually appearing uh, appearing on uh, the jamie sullivan cover we also see uh, kamakura who again was created for the uh, devil's due continuity and doesn't appear in uh, in this one because actually he's a, he's uh, sean collins who's a throwdown slash snake eyes yeah. um you know completely different continuity and he's also got a design for the devil's due version of uh, pale peony that uh, appeared in the uh, storm shadow solo mission rather than the uh, pale peony as she appears in uh, ara issues that she was in but never mind right yeah very good we yeah. we did have some interesting colloquialisms though so um i'll i'll test you out on if you uh, if you know these ones there used to be a pudding that was over egged you know the pudding you know the pudding at first it was british but then it was commonwealth you know the pudding you know the pudding but now there's a new player in town a comic book writer of of some renown he's using real world examples and peppering the issues with with lots of samples it's a larry hammer colloquialism he's talking gi joe and all its heroism can you guess what it is is it something new now listeners larry drops a slice of real life on you so Alpha Zero One said, "When they are weak and feeling their oats, that is when we strike." Any yeah, ideas I, what feeling one's oats might mean? Yeah, I thought getting your oats was getting laid, but <laughs> feeling your oats—I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. I guess get, getting oats and feeling oats are, are different. But okay. um, yeah, feelings uh, feeling your oats typically describes someone who feels newly emboldened, often behaving in a cocky or arrogant fashion. Um, and from the oats part of the idiom, it, um, it, it originates from horses. So it's how they might act after they're fully fed. So right. having a little bit of a vim and vigor and being a bit cocky. Okay. Um, I don't know that the necessarily the, the um, colloquialism works in the context of what Alpha One is saying, because he's saying when they are weak and feeling their oats, it kind of suggests that feeling feeling their oats there there might might mean that you're feeling a bit down and defeated yes um whereas it actually means uh, the opposite but um potentially 
it's a just shortening of the idea that maybe you've got some who are weak and some who have yeah. been victorious and feeling slightly over cocky yeah. having um well, having one maybe zero zero one bit of a fault in the program hacker reported or something <laughs> oh dear and then um Cobra Commander talks about uh, brainwashing snake eyes and that, that when they're successful, it will be a red letter day. So um, it's a quite common, uh, yeah, idiom. But what what does it actually mean and where's it come from? I don't know where it comes from, but uh, red letter day is obviously just, well, not obviously, but um, you, you in the UK, I guess the most common... Uh, place you'd find red letter days is actually uh, a an experience gift isn't it uh, if you, yeah, if you a buy company. someone a red letter yeah. day then you're buying them you know a parachute jump or a uh, a, a trip round silverstone race course or uh, racetrack or you know uh, a day out something on a speedboat or something so um a kind of like a, a luxury gift almost yeah yeah that's that's definitely where where that that comes from so it's um a day of special significance and its roots are in uh, classical antiquity so important days are indicated in red in a calendar dating from the roman republic and in medieval man- manuscripts initial capitals and highlighted words were written written in red ink and that practice continued after the invention of the printing press such as in catholic liturgical books um, and many calendars still indicate special dates and festivals and holidays in red ink instead of black Hmm. so a special day yeah yeah very good very good uh any others you got for me that that was it for colloquialisms did you do your favorite line of dialogue already i did yes it was a ninja deft touch to stun (laughs) Very good. Yes, yes. Didn't spot any Molly. Um, should we do... Uh, have you got an MB- MVP? Uh, I do not have an MVP this week. Uh, they all kind of moulded into one for me. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that any one single person did enough uh, on their own to, to merit uh, an MVP-ism, uh, apart from uh, maybe uh, Long Range, who's just holding down the fort all on his own. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's got all the cooks and all the cleaners with him. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, yeah, and otherwise, I guess it's Snake Eyes is the only other guy who got much to do on his uh, on his own. Yes, yes, yes. Um, well, we'll see if he's still got much to do on his own next week, or if the Joes actually finally managed to get to Springfield, or if their buses break down. Mm, could be a yeah one a fascinating plot twist twist where uh yeah one of the buses gets a puncture and they have to bring call out a guy to help them fix it yeah, they and call out they have snake a bit of a chat with it. him and yeah. threaten him with some guns and yeah, yeah. they call long range mm. out to fix it <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens next week with the conclusion parts eight nine and ten of snake hunt hunt so mm. join us then uh i want you to talk about some toys Mark talks about toys, ho ho. He talks about G.I. Joe. He talks about all the toys from the comic book and the animated show. Mark talks about toys. Mark talks about toys. Okay, you are G. How would I start here? Um, uh, You have chosen this week to talk about... uh, Backstop. (laughs) Yeah? Oh, holy 
guacamole. Chief dog nailed it. That is your best guess yet. That is amazing. <laughs> now, I know I nothing late... about this guy, so everything you tell me will be new. Okay, let me ping you a message. Phone is on because I just... There you go. The phone is Got on because noise. I just had an email from Paul Harrison Davis, who is doing me a commission uh, of Ghost Rider in Thor's Chariot. Oh, I see. And uh, I contacted him in May of last year, and uh, he's just got back to me saying he's now available. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, yes, I did have my phone on, and now I've got this message, and let's have a look. Backstop, there he is. Does he? Does, does the figure and the vehicle ring a bell? Uh, the persuader rings a bell, but this guy could be anyone. Doesn't. Okay. I've got no recollection of this character at all tell me about him and then i'll tell you what i think he looks like yeah he doesn't he doesn't feature too much in the in the comics that i can recall there's a um a european mission slash action force monthly issue which has the persuader and backstop featured fairly prominently i think including on the cover i think it's the last issue which okay. is was it issue 13 or 15 or something like that there wasn't that many of them was there so uh, but aside from that as i recall and please correct me on the social medias if i'm wrong i don't think the persuader or backstop featured a huge amount in the era comics in the classical marvel era um so backstop was from 1987 and he was packaged exclusively with the persuader high-speed tank and he came with this um, quite stylized removable grey helmet and this very cool silver pistol. Um, it was w one of my favourite pistols from uh, from the classic GI Joe era because it was you know had a quite a lot of weight to it. It was a you know, big big old thing and it looked a lot like uh, like a, a magnum or something like that. Yeah. Um, so it looked uh, looked like a, 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 a pistol that would pack some you know pack a little bit of What's the word I'm looking for? Punch. A pack of punch. Thank you, Chief. Um, before we talk about the toy, let's have a talk about this guy. He uh, is the only Canadian member of G.I. Joe, apparently, oh. because he had a birthplace of Montreal, Quebec, Canada. And that's uh, talking about American version of G.I. Joe rather than any regional uh, changes that might have been made um, on their releases. So he is uh, Robert A. Levin. His primary military specialty is armor, which I think means uh, tanks rather than uh, suits of. Yes. And his secondary military specialty is mecha mechanized infantry. Backstop injured so many opposing players in junior league hockey that his family had to move to the United States to escape angry parents during his <laughs> braying mob of uh, of. of parents holding up their hockey sticks aloft burning burning them and chasing them down um during his adolescent years in detroit he boxed in the golden gloves until he was barred from competition he spent two terms as the undefeated wrestling champion on, of his high school simply because no one would get on the mat with him after a short career in the demolition derby backstop found his true calling in the army and eventually on the gi joe team I tell you what, I like this guy's mould a lot. I hate mm -hmm. the colours. Yeah, well, they're a little bit, a little bit garish, aren't they? I this, like the, I got... like that grey armour. I think that's a different touch. I don't know of any other characters that had kind of moulded upper arm pieces other yeah, than just regular quite a, arms. Yeah, kind of square, boxy yeah. kind of armour like on his upper I, arms. I like the knife. Yes, yeah, so it starts in the, the grey. Yeah, with the knife on the front, and it goes in green. It's got a, a sort of a 
white beigey type belt and then it goes bright yellow scoop-esque kind of legs and then he's got these big uh, red flashes on his um on his boot protectors and his yeah. gloves so it's a bit of a clash of colors yeah. happening isn't it so- i do like the mold though i think that mold's really really nice uh, and it looks like the the head sculpt looks pretty you know n- nothing too much going on but i kind of like that but n- i don't not over fussed on that helmet i'll be honest yeah he's got quite an expressive mournful face but yeah the helmet is is very distinctive as well i did like it it's it's quite stylized uh, let's round it out with uh, the the quote from the file card don't mess with backstop even though he's had more broken bones ripped tendons and sev- severed arteries than anyone else in the joe team He's still strong enough and strong-willed enough to break, rip, or sever something of yours. Crikey, sounds like a <laughs> hell of a guy. Don't mess with that guy, jeepers. Mm. Mm. Yeah, there you go. Uh, there will be more toy talk next week. But right now, we're bringing back an old segment. The Star Wars Galaxy. Sure has a lot of playgrounds. Playgrounds. Jedi Knights, Evil Sith, Bounty Hunters, all doing the rounds. Doing the rounds. But there's a guy so cool. The Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Now expand your mind and be a Star Wars historian. Historian. It's 10 Minute Mando. He's chasing a star. It's 10 Minute Mando. He loves Beskar. It's 10 Minute Mando. In a galaxy far, far away. That's right, people. Chief has only gone and done it. He's only gone and caught up on the Mandalorian. Um... So what happened was, as I said last week, I had finished Clone Wars. I had just started Season 4 of Rebels. I finished all of Season 4 of Rebels. Let down, that series was. It's like one 15-episode long story arc. And I just wasn't... This fascination with the planet of Lothal in the Rebels' overall four series, just, I don't get it. It's, you know, just too much for me. The series was a bit too serious. There was no one and done, and it made me realise why you do need one and done's in episodic tv because i needed a break from this kind of serious storytelling and over okay fine the last five minutes of the last episode was a nice touch where you see what they get onto in the future but overall season four didn't really dig season two is definitely the best um especially with ahsoka meeting darth vader and then realizing that that is anakin because she didn't know previously that's a great bit and the obi-wan kenobi darth maul episode so understated uh, and that is the conclusion to those two's storylines together and that was a fantastic episode um where spoiler obi-wan kills maul and uh yeah then moved on to mandalorian and this yeah, is that's not 10 minute rebels chief <laughs> it's not 10 minute <laughs> right mandalorian so we finished on episode three so i picked up on episode four quite enjoyed this one this is where man it's called the siege i think mando goes back meets up with apollo creed and uh what's her name the mma fighter cara dune and mm-hmm. they end up going somewhere to do something i've forgotten it already but i kind of enjoyed it they go to find try and find out the location of, oh, of the kid. something no not yeah. the kid they've got the kid moff gideon moff location. gideon that's is that it. where they go there so they're going something anyway i quite enjoyed that one then we get the Ahsoka episode, which I really did not like. I thought it was like a low-budget episode of Star Trek, which is not for me. It just, uh, I don't know, it just didn't just didn't do any. I, I thought the budget wasn't there. Some It's so uneven, The Mandalorian, in terms of budget. Some episodes look amazing. Some episodes look like they've, you know, scraped, look, how much money you got in your pockets? How much have we got for this week's episode? Um, and this was one of them, you know. Mm-hmm. It was, I wanted Ahsoka 
its return to be some kind of epic episode and it was this real slow boring episode that didn't do anything for me i'm afraid mm. interesting and i like um, the character i love ahsoka as a character and i thought rosaria dawson was well cast but hmm. yeah i think it's a bit of a shame they didn't have the voice actor i don't know how she would have worked out but it's uh, it's obviously someone who was very very invested in the uh in the character so yes yeah a bit of a sh- bit of a shame it would have been uh, yeah. nice if that could have been continued on um there was a good guest star in that one it was very understated though but, well uh, did you spot him i did not know and when i was battle fronting last night and ben said phoenix was desperate uh, the other day to watch aliens he kept asking he said dad i need to watch aliens and he was like well you're 12 you're not watching aliens don't be silly um and he kept la, 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 la. and then ben was like oh now i need to watch aliens and then Ben said, yeah, it was great when um, Hicks turned up in that uh, Ahsoka episode. I was like, what are you talking about? And uh, I didn't realise the gunslinger was uh, Hicks from Aliens. Michael, Michael Bien, Michael is it Bain. his name? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, didn't, even now I'm picked, I, I obviously looks very, very old. But Well, yeah, it's what time does. But um, yeah, I think you. he also, even in that episode, he, they sort of gave him a bit of a shotgun as a bit of a throat call out to his uh, Aliens appearance. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, then we went to episode six, which was what happened in six. Was that called six? That was Remind called me. the tragedy. That's where the Mandalorian and the child travel to an ancient site and meet Boba Fett. Oh yeah, Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah. Is that the one where uh, again no budget? Looks like looks like they shot it in someone's garden, where loads of stormtroopers <laughs> are attacking. Awful looking. Yeah. Yeah. But, okay. However. Uh, liked Boba Fett, and this is where I differ with Ben. He's like, he's like, I hate this version of Boba Fett. It's not my Fett. Um, I hate that Kiwi actor. It should have been the original voice of Boba Fett, not the redux of putting this guy in. I go the other way. I actually like this guy yeah. being cast. He said I didn't want him cast. I wanted a recast for Boba Fett. I was like, no, I like this guy as Fett. Uh, I, I now got used to his voice, and um, I liked Fat Fett. You know. So he's a bit fat, <laughs> a overweight, bit and he's got him, that black he? skirt, mm. and I kind of like that look. I only wish his armor was a bit more dented and battle-worn. It looked way too pristine. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think there was an intent behind that, which is that it's been in, in, in you know, obviously they could have replaced, you know, exactly um, used it as it appeared in the um, original trilogy, but I think they intended to show it as it having, you know, attempted to be repaired and and repainted. Right. Okay. But yeah, overall. I thought that episode was pretty good. Yeah, and uh, and Boba Fett there sort of twirling his, um, um, what they called? Uh, uh, the gaffy stick. A gaffy stick, yeah, very good. Then we go to 7, remind me, or 15, uh, whatever. So, I think they call it yeah, 15. Yeah, 15 or... is The Believer, and that's where... Ah, yes, um, this was my favourite episode. with, um, what's his face? Uh, yeah, Bill Burr's character, uh, that crook. And he's got a nice little arc here, because he was a right scumbag when we last saw him on that prison ship. And here he's he's gone back and he's seen an old commanding officer and he drills that guy and um, yeah it, you know, it pushes all all of Mayfield's buttons yeah, when, he, yeah. when he comes back across across this douche yeah and like I say budget that looked like high budget episode it looked really nice um, you know clearly they scrimped on the other ones the outdoor episodes where they did felt they didn't need the budget but here it looked really good and I thought that was uh, the best episode of the season by far and then we get the big letdown of season eight. Uh, uh, sorry episode eight the last episode is the rescue and that's where the mandalorian is reunited with some of the other mandos from uh, earlier on in the season and go up against uh up against the empire 
uh, and Moff Gideon and the Darksaber. That's it, that's it. And I... Okay, so we'll get the big bit out of the way first. I'd avoided spoilers. Um, although I had actually, and this is no word of a lie, I had messaged you when it came out. And I hadn't, you know, I had stopped watching that point. And I said... Um, I said to Ben, actually, what is what is the big thing that everyone's going nuts over? Is it a death? Is it a storyline twist? Or is it a reappearance of an old character? And he said, it's the last one. And that was all, that was it. And I said, okay, well, the literally the only thing that could get me doing a holy shit moment is if Mark Hamill turned up as Luke Skywalker in that last episode. Now, obviously, that kind of happened. That kind of happened in a way because he's obviously voicing it. And I thought the CGI mm. of... Hamill as Luke was actually fantastic whereas I thought Leia looked ropey in Rogue One where she mm. pops up at the end uh, yeah. here he looks this is where all the budget went they fucking spunk the whole budget on making you know that Luke CGI and he looked great what size screen were you watching this on chief what size screen I was watching mm. it on I think just my TV in the living room which is 40 Two inch, I think, forty. Inch. Okay, all right, yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't quite as impressed with the CGI as as you. It probably right. was better better than the the layer stuff, which yeah. was ropey. But um, yeah, I think it could could have been a little bit, you know, more polished. But but right. yeah, it was very very cool sequence, and I'm I'm amazed that you were able to kind of duck away and not yeah. quite have those spoilers confirmed, even if you had your suspicions as to what it might. Have yeah. Been. No, it wasn't even a suspicion. I was just saying that's the only thing. They seemed like people were going mental when people when it was in that you know i was on a few facebook groups and they had like a one week no spoiler tag so people were saying oh the last episode of mandalorian oh that thing what happened oh it was amazing amazing with no one actually saying what it was and in my head the only thing that i felt could give me that response was hamill showing up and could they could they actually have used hamill and, and kind of give him a load of makeup or does he look super old now uh well yeah he does you know he does look that the way he does appear in the you know in the more recent Star Wars films that yeah, is, but I suppose, is him. Yeah, um, I don't know. So so they were you know they are they were trying to get a look which is you know close to thirty yes. years younger I, I suppose, guess I suppose. something along those lines. However, so. the stuff that led up to that and however during that scene I thought that scene wasn't the best because they proper overschmaltzed it. They tried to make it all emotional, this music and the Mando doing this sad, longing looks to the little baby Yoda thing. What's his name? Everyone's always forget- uh, everyone's forgotten his name anyway. Oh, Grugar, Grogar, whatever that stupid name is. And it's <laughs> um, just got to oh, trying to be emotional and all this schmaltzy. So the actual scene, I thought, was junk. But Hamill, as you know, the CGI of, of Luke and Luke turning up was great. Um, however, the other stuff leading up to that, Moff Gideon proved to be an awful villain. Um, and the stupid robot things. Uh, I'm thinking, look, I've watched Clone Wars episodes where these commando droids are jumping around, doing all this ac- acrobatic leaping stuff, and now you've gone back to five points of articulation with your droids, and yet this is set <laughs> 20 years after the Clone Wars, so mm. I don't know what's happened in their tech department, in their R&D, but they've taken a step backwards with these droids, these robot mm. things. If anything. Mm. Yeah, okay. There you go. Um, and did you watch the post-credit sequence for the yeah. last episode as well? Pointless. <laughs> um, Jabba's Palace. Okay, a lot of them died on the sail barge, but this is a lot of years later. That should have been populated to the gills with aliens. It's about five people in there. Mm. Awful. Again, all the budget went on Luke. Um, and we know there's a Boba Fett show coming up, 
and but this didn't really do anything to get me hyped for it or it didn't progress any storylines you could have had this as the beginning of this episode one or something of him going back to Tatooine I don't know just it was it was yeah it was it was mm. okay yeah, but that's what it was no not for me yeah my 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 little fact nugget about that bit is that uh, Matthew Wood played Bib Fortuna and he formerly played him in Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace. And I think um, I think I can't remember what he, he does exactly, but he's uh, some Star Wars uh, back of the shop guy okay. uh, doing. So he's not a, a sort of full-time actor. And uh, Bib Fortuna, he appears with the staff that came with his 1983 Kenner action figure, Wicked. but that was never previously seen before in Star Wars on screen. Okay, well it has been has done now. Um, that is my overall wrap-up on Mando. Of the three main serialised Star Wars TV shows, I would say Clone Wars is hands down the best, just because... It, and, and, and I will preface this by saying I was a big detractor from those episodes 1, 2 and 3 for many, many years. Uh, I thought they were absolute junk. However, when Clone Wars Animated came out, went back, watched them, and it actually gave me more appreciation for that era and that timeline. And mm-hmm. um, just just the, the man when you know when Boba Fett showed up in this Mandalorian show you realize how great a character he is and it, it just it's like this Mandalorian guy is just dull as dishwater compared to him like I don't care about the Mandalorian <laughs> character and I didn't really care about the characters in Rebels which is why I think Clone Wars for me those last four episodes of season seven is just some of the mm-hmm. greatest tv ever seen so um, yeah, and, and particularly the the sort of the legacy that Clone Wars and the prequel trilogy has created in terms of the amount of thing that was spawned from it. For example, Rex, uh, Tem- and Rebels, yeah. you know, Timura, Timura Morrison being being the clone and Django and now Boba Fett as as well, and just having that you know rich legacy sort of continuing and stretching on. You know, best part of what twenty years now of, of that of that character. It's kind of uh, it's just added to it and made it more nuanced and more meaningful hasn't it yeah 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 there you go um listen we've got to move on because the missus is shouting at me to get out of the loft so let's uh wrap up with uh list a question and we're still on the gi joe merchandise you know gi joe ain't just toys funny books and tunes those guys will license anything so funky so nice gi joe merchandise do you need it? Sure you do. It's G.I. Joe branded, fool. What shall we make? We can't decide. Pick some old crap and put Flint's face on the side. On the side. T-shirts, funkers, sticker shampoo, lunchbox soap, jackets, underoos. Yeah, that's right. I said underoos. Badges, brushes, combs and mugs, telephones, tissues and probably hugs. Hot damn. G.I. Joe hugs? Radios, candy, tense tattoos With a G.I. Joe logo they just can't lose Door knocker, doorbell, even doormat They're probably brand your dog and your cat So funky, so nice It's G.I. Joe merchandise Do you need it? Sure you do It's G.I. Joe branded, fool What shall we make? We can't decide Pick some old crap and put Flint's face on the side It's G.I. Joe merchandise Okay, this week I have found something, and it is I saw it on a YouTube video of a guy going through random G.I. Joe stuff, and then it is actually on 3D Joe's as well, uh, with some better pictures, and this is the 1985 Saboteur Toolkit. 
Um, you, you, you could have a backpack just like Firefly and have all your explosives and your dynamite and your wire cutters inside, except this time they substituted that for a hammer, a screwdriver and a spanner um, and something else, a chisel looks like, and some mm. kind of uh, measuring device. <laughs> yeah, a set square or something. Set square, yeah, jeez. I mean, and two mm. little clip things. But, I mean, this is great. I mean, what kid doesn't want that? Yeah. We'll post yeah, the pictures sort of, up. Yeah, give give the you know give your kids the to, you know the toys that you want to inspire them for for the profession that they're going to grow into. Yes, um, saboteur yeah. for Cobra. I mean, uh, you it's... can't do that nowadays, can you? You couldn't you couldn't market a saboteur toolkit. Incredible <laughs> scenes. I mean, it's, it amazes me that he did it, but even back then in '85. I mean, this is like a child's work work kit, isn't it? A workbench kit. So mm. you know your standard stuff, um, but. In the guise of a saboteur, even the cover, you know, okay, it's G.I. Joe, so it's G.I. Joe branding, but even the art has got Firefly with a gun, uh, mm. you know, and you're, 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 it's a work toolkit, it's incredible. And, and yeah, I mean, it is, it is very faithful to the look of the V1 um, Firefly backpack that came with that, that figure. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it's uh, a lot of these, a lot of these kind of merchandise things are, you know, find something and, and, and slap Flint's face on it, whereas, Whereas this is actually a, a sort of very precise uh, rendition for, for yes. kids of, of a life-size yes. saboteur's backpack. Because we even see on the card art, on the front, the box art, unfortunately Firefly has left his, his pack open. He's got mm-hmm. that flap down. But it's we flapped see, open, yeah. We see the stuff that he's got in there, and that is the stuff you get in this kit. <laughs> he's got his set yeah. square, he's got his chisel, uh, and then obviously he's got his dynamite strapped to the top part and you actually do get that you get that as a molded piece so you do get dynamite albeit molded molded to the back and yeah, it's labeled gi joe i'm not sure how firefly would be, be about that mm. big gi joe sticker on the front on the back but, <laughs> but yeah there you go the gi joe saboteur kit uh, i imagine quite pricey if you want to buy this fully loaded in good condition with all the kit um, mm. i believe there was also a paramedic med kit but ah. i mean that's boring who cares about that? Yeah, why? Why grow up wanting to be a, a medic? Why help people when, when you, you could can blow be them a up? saboteur? <laughs> Far more exciting. Yeah, there you go. Uh, more merchandise next week. Uh, actually, we will uh, wrap the show up here with uh, an announcement that uh, I don't think it's any surprise if people are long-time listeners that um, I think next week will be the Chiefs' last show of Talking Joe. It'll mark the end of Snake Hunt. Uh, the book is, you know, it's still coming out monthly. But um, there's not enough issues for us to do a weekly show of that. However, uh, we are well aware that there are other books out there. We both have all of those other books, be it the IDW continuity, the Devil's Due stuff, uh, the Dark Horse stuff and all that kind of thing. So there's probably not any G.I. Joe comic that we don't have, I'd imagine, unless it's like a convention specials. So there was an option to move over to that. But for me on a personal level, I think I am done with talking about gi joe um so yeah i think it's just i've had oversaturation over the last kind of six months i would say and the ip just i've fallen out of love with gi joe as an ip so uh, the only reason i continue to do this weekly is because i like chatting to my mate and me and funky bunch have good chats and my favorite bits are actually the non-gi joe bits that we talk about so you know it's it's i'm stepping away you know not to put too much pressure on funky bunch but if he wants to carry the show on in whatever guys that might be and he needs to have a little sit down and chat to himself about that i guess whether that be with someone else or whether you know i don't know 
whether he does a solo or maybe Pete or Stepon or whatever, whatever the case may be, then great. The Talking Joe uh, name will carry on, but no pressure on doing that if he wants to have a break or whatever as well. And like you mentioned, it might just be a hiatus. You never know. In a few months' time, the Chief might be bored of doing nothing and he might want back involved. So, you know, um, always evolving, ever adapting Talking Joe uh, but that's kind of the lay of the land as it stands. Is that kind of fair, do you think, Funky Bunch? Yeah, so so we, I guess your ambition was to to do a weekly podcast and start with issue one and get work your way through AUR, get to present day, which is uh, essentially where we will have got to at the end of Snake Hunt, albeit there's maybe two issues out uh, at the point of recording this. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I think uh, after what will have been what this uh, 109 episodes plus uh, weekly episodes plus all of the specials and etc on, on top they are a bit pooped out on uh, on gi joe so uh, uh i'm not going to hold it against you that you want to break with that uh yeah i think it'd be nice to to keep talking joe going on in in some form so so maybe once you've had a chance to rest and recuperate uh you might you might be inclined to come back in in some capacity maybe maybe if we just do a, a some sort of monthly catch-up that would be something nice to keep on keep talking about the uh ARA stuff or or do something else uh in entirely and yeah then as beyond that what we do with uh talking joe as a as a regular podcast i think uh yeah we'll uh wait and see and have a have a think and uh watch this uh watch this space so we've, we've certainly got at least this episode then uh we've got snake hunt finale yep. coming up we've got the robert atkins interview special oh yeah coming that will have dropped up. by the time this one drops will it uh probably not okay. <laughs> there's a lot of editing okay. I, might, I, I might keep i might keep that on my sleeve so i'll drop it at the end of snake hunt ah, nice as a, a yeah. wrap up for that because yeah. it, it you know is very snake hunt focused and it will, will work better against the context of having read the whole kind of thing, thing. Yeah. Little, and um, very nice. we'll drop a, a jingle special and uh and then beyond that uh yeah let's uh wait and see and uh but yeah shout out to us on the uh on the social medias let us know your thoughts on what you'd like to see in terms of uh, the continuation whether that's uh, with Chief or or not, yeah, it's quite you know it's 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 enjoyable, and the the main reason that uh, that I joined in the first place is because of uh, enjoying the, listening to the to the show so much and having these these chats with uh, with Chief. So uh, for for me personally, it's you know uh, a huge part of it is is the, you know is that is weekly chat with uh with chief and and sort of the energy that we feed off from each other so it's it's yeah not a straightforward question of of just charlie my king yeah. <laughs> and i think also if this if this bloody house move does ever happen and i get out from this uh romany gypsy curse uh then hopefully i will have a separate area where i can do work slash podcasting that doesn't involve being in the loft so that mm. might just from a mental point of view put me in a better position so you never know okay that could be soon <laughs> hopefully fingers crossed, hopefully, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. uh, good okay. episode long episode a lot of content we're ramming it up here uh from a content <coughs> perspective i hope you don't mind because uh, that's what we do on talking joe because when all is said and done we'll catch you down the road because we've been talking joe and we're all out of joes apart from all those joes on the buses laters With all that said and done, 
We will catch you down the road. Who says what? So when all is said and done, I say the next bit as well. We'll catch you down the road. I've never done it before. I've never done this bit before. <laughs> I just can't remember. All right, I got it. Okay, I got it. I got it. Take one. 